Hello, I'm Nina Tara, art psychotherapist, and you are listening to Courageous Arts, A Deeper Dive, episode number six. Have I got an episode for you? Um, I am going to be chatting to Ian McCaig, artist, concept artist, writer and filmmaker um, and also a very, very dear friend of mine who I've known for many years. So as you will hear in the podcast, there is much giggling and much laughing because it's two friends talking and that's the best kind of talk. Um do have a listen because we're really diving into um, some of the issues around mental health for artists and exploring platforms for change. Um, This is actually going to be part one of two episodes because we had a little bit of an interruption and because it's you know I wanted to to break it down um, a little bit more for you because I know it's easier to digest information in short episodes um so yes do keep an ear and an eye out for the following episode which will follow out a few weeks uh, time after this one has aired um so yes do enjoy listening to this as again as i always say do share rate and review um this episode because i want to reach as many people as i possibly can to normalize the conversations around mental health and to being able to seek support Well, I'm going to leave you now with this episode. Do enjoy it and do leave me any feedback on the podcast um, because I would love to hear what you think. And again, my big, big thanks to Ian because he's an extremely busy man and he took a a really um, good portion of time out and we had a really, really good chat and I hope to be talking to him again soon on another podcast. But for now, here is Ian McCaig. Hello, everyone. I have Ian McKay here with me today in this podcast. And Ian divides his energies between a lifelong love of storytelling and a passionate belief that everyone in the world can learn to draw. Um, as of 2020, Mc- Ian McKay has worked for 40 years in the entertainment industry. It's 40 years. That's crazy. <laughs> you can't see, but Ian is showing me his greys <laughs> on his head. <laughs> we'll get to the bald spot. <laughs> we'll get to the bald spot. <laughs> and many of his creations have become pop culture icons, like his cover for Jethro Tull's Broad Sword and, uh, and, <laughs> and the, the Beast, Beast. <laughs> and his Star Wars designs for Queen Amidala and Darth Maul. He created art for games like EA's GoldenEye and for many films among them terminator 2 interview with a vampire bram stoker's dracula hook guardians of the galaxy to name just a few um in his spare time ian writes produce and produces and directs and wanders the land encouraging people to draw and tell stories in 2008 uh, palace place published Shadowline: the art of ian mckaig a combination of 28 years of ian's work 
commercial and private artwork. Uh, a mini course on how to draw and fictionalized expose of his creative process. And 40 in, years now. In, in 40 it's years. Now, it's now 40 years and there's a sequel coming out. Oh, wow. Oh, gosh. That's crazy. Um, and in May 2008, Spectrum Fantastic Art gave Ian McCaig the prestigious Grand Master Award for Lifetime Achievement. Uh, though he swears he's only just getting started. <laughs> and that can be true, can't it? With art, oh, the way yes. it evolves, it can always feel quite new. <laughs> what do they mean, lifetime achievement? <laughs> <laughs> what? I just hit puberty. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And I'm going to add here, Ian and I have known each other for some time. So oh, yes. if it feels like two friends talking, it's because that's exactly what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm so glad Ian is here with us to take some deeper dives as we we think about mental health in the art industry in the art in the art world so ian i'm gonna take us straight into it and i'm gonna ask you um can you share with us a time when you've been impacted by anything you know any mental health challenges and how you may have pivoted through those and navigated those challenges to go towards recovery why well, yes nina i think <laughs> i can <laughs> that, that would be tuesday <laughs> Last Tuesday. Every, no, every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. <laughs> I'm glad we're um, not doing this on a Tuesday. <laughs> well, as I as we were talking about before, um, you really, or not you, because I don't know every artist and every illustrator. I pour myself into the yeah. art that I draw. I become those characters, mm. right? Um, it will betide you if you walk into my studio when I'm drawing evil characters. Yes. I'll go, what? You <laughs> come in. You've <laughs> <Yes>. embodied them. <laughs> and um, and being a performance, you're you're very drained. Well, again, mm. I'm don't know all that many actors, so I can't speak for all actors. But for me, mm. even after a stage talk, sometimes you feel drained in a very good way. Mm. You know, you, you've given it your all. You've um, spoken some truth because that's the only thing the audience wants to see. Mm. They don't care if you mess up. They don't yeah. care if you're amazing. They love it when you are. But um, they just want to see you be honest up there. Yeah. Right? And, and communicate to them honestly too. Don't try to, to BS them because they get mm. great BS meters. Mm. So if you do that well, um, even, even a podcast like this, at the very end of it, you definitely need a second cup of coffee and, mm -hmm. you know, feet up and preferably go for a little walk, go to yeah. nature and, and re, re stock your energy. So uh, drawings like that for me. And I draw all the time. I mm. draw every day, every single day, um, feeling well, not feeling well, although I usually don't feel not well. I, mm. I'm pretty lucky health-wise. So um, drawing has been my meditation it has been my therapy. It mm -hmm. has been everything to me. And I can draw no matter what's happening in my life. Um, there have been times when the things I've been drawing were the things I've just been wrestling with mm. um, or fighting with or fighting against. And it was at first, you know, there's a momentary block of ice to break through before you start. Once you start, it pours out. Mm. Uh, there's, I was telling, reminding uh, my wife was story about uh, my daughter and me she and she was very little she had a nightmare and woke up in the middle of the night couldn't go back to sleep mm. so I said what's the matter what is it she said oh there's a ghost not a ghost it was a witch it's mm. a witch in my dream and I went oh why don't you draw her 
that usually makes them go away. Mm. So I got her a piece of paper and she started drawing the witch and she looked at me and said, I need more paper. Oh, wow. So I got her another sheet and she drew another bit and said, more paper. Yeah. By the time she was done, there's this witch spread out across the living room floor mm. and she smiles and says, oh, I can go back to sleep now. Oh. I couldn't. <laughs> I sat there terrified at this thing that was inside my daughter. But, but it, it does draw it out of you. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's the unconscious processes, isn't it? And, you know, and I, well, as we've known each other for such a long time, <clears throat> your journey with art started quite early on. Mm. <clears throat> I can't remember a time when I haven't been drawing. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, and it never occurred to me that other people couldn't or didn't. Mm. Um, I just, it was so natural. I just assumed everybody did. And my, my early drawing was just copying, of course. You find things you love and you copy them because you love them and you want to make them, yeah. right? It, no ambitions to be an artist or for it to be anything. And then um, uh, I keep telling the story. Please forgive me if you've heard this before. <laughs> but at kindergarten the next year, um, I had practiced drawing when I was four years old, there's this brontosaurus on the front of a Brook Bond set of tea mm. cards. But, and um, I, could, I could draw it finally after, after about a year, I could draw it photographically perfect. Mm. And I couldn't draw anything else. So when I went to kindergarten, they give you the blank sheet of paper with the lines at the bottom. Mm. Head is divided into thirds. And the first one, draw your, draw your mom. So I drew the stick figure with the triangle and then draw your house. There's the box of the chimney and the smoke coming out of it. And then they said, draw your pet. And I didn't have a pet. So I drew my brontosaurus. <laughs> and the room went really quiet. I looked up and everybody has gathered around me, including the teacher. Wow. I thought I was in trouble. And that's when the teacher said, wow. And so, of course, my head <laughs> massively inflated and I ran home and learned to draw the next thing I was really interested in, which was the Frankenstein monster. And then Sean Connery and then otters and then dinosaurs, I mean, not dinosaurs, uh, Jaguar XKs. Mm. And there was this long list that just felt like they were part of the same DNA. I haven't ever really figured that out, except mm. yeah, they, they made me feel a certain way, the same way. Mm. And then I, I started putting them on the same page uh, and I discovered, wow, that T-Rex is talking to the Frankenstein monster just because they're in the same space. Mm. And next time when I drew it, I drew one of them higher. I was like, oh, what? He's not talking to him anymore. He's afraid of him. And it's just the space, the relationship mm. between those two made a story. And that was when I got hooked forever and ever on, on telling stories and pictures. Mm. Right? It, yeah, um, absolutely. And I think that that dynamic is so powerful, isn't it? And Absolutely. to discover it at such a young age, and as you said, use it as a therapeutic yeah. tool for yourself mm. to work through. Well, because it can express all kinds of things now, yeah. right? Um, even without trying to perform a character, mm. you can actually draw a very blank character, but depending on where you put it on the page with the other characters, mm. it can express deep, profound emotions. It's mm. more like music, mm. right? It's just something that touches you on a um, survival level, I think, mm. right? Because we're so hardwired, like your face right now. I know every molecule. And when it moves, is she friendly? Is she not? Yeah. Is she tricky? <laughs> See, what's going on here? Right? We need to know that um, to survive. So everybody's fine-tuned to, to recognize it, even if they don't know how to do it on paper. Mm. Right? So, um, yeah, I, I think... 
this is what I, when I wander that land telling people they can draw, is because you, you can, you've, you've studied people, you've studied the mm. world, you've studied relationships your whole life just by looking at them, mm. right? And then in addition to that, people watch a lot of television and a lot of movies, and that's nothing but visual images and relationships to each other and montage together and treating certain effects. Mm. So we actually are all pretty visually literate in cinema. And, yes. and, and when we go to bed, we take all of our troubles and, and things we're interested in and all, all that stuff and we mix them up and grab whatever characters we want and invent them. And lo and behold, they're beautifully drawn. They're realistically rendered and animated and there's great dialogue. And it doesn't make any sense, but it did in the dream. Mm. It was very emotional. So we, we create art every night and create yeah. stories and plays. And, and really doing that for, you know, when you're awake is just learning how to dream with your eyes open. Mm. So that's all I teach people. That's so beautiful, learning how to dream with your eyes open. That's, mm. that's so, so profound. But I was thinking, you know, when you, you're talking about adults, saying that they can't draw and like the experience that you had at kindergarten where, you know, you, you know, in awe of what you were drawing and there's so, so many other adults at, at kindergarten or at some point in school have had completely the opposite experience. Mm. And that's potentially where they kind of started to have that judgment about, I can't draw. Yeah, uh, for most people done, that, yeah. at age of 10, right? Yeah. Something like that. Because I think when you're really young, it almost doesn't matter when you're really yeah. young. And again, yeah. I, I don't know any different, but <clears throat> I, I find that little kids don't care because no. it's not about whether it's good. It's about whether it's communicating or whether mm. it made you laugh or, you know, provoked an emotion. And then about the time that you're aware of peer pressure from friends and whether they like you or not. And when you're trying to attract a partner and all that kind of mm. stuff, suddenly mm. it has to be good. Yeah. But can, can you imagine like if, um, if speaking had was only left to the people who were talented at it mm. <laughs> we'd have a mostly silent population yeah yeah you don't speak because you want to be good you speak because you want to talk to people and communicate, communicate. things and communicate. yeah exactly so um i th i think if we think of art as a communication tool it's actually a language mm. as opposed to a magic trick or something that only a talented group of people can mm. do then there's no reason why you can't learn it any more than you learn to walk and talk and not poop in your pants and all those other yeah. life-saving skills. Yeah. Absolutely. And I really like that, that concept um, of really thinking about it as a process rather than an mm. end product because I think so many adults have this kind of misconception about, <clears throat> especially around art therapy as well, art psychotherapies, I can't paint and I can't draw. And so the way you're describing it and about the communication um, and as a language is exactly, you know, what art therapy is. And it's, it's really lovely to hear you sort of say that and reinforce that as an established artist. Well, it sounds like we're doing the same sort of thing, except yeah. I've, I've just thought of it as, as a language. But yes, it is. It, it's a therapy for me. It's a meditation mm. for me, right? And it's kept me constant and steady through the worst of times and the best of times, too. Mm. You can always process it. And you are reminded of important life lessons. Like, yeah. um, you can still be really awful when you're feeling great. Mm, yes, <laughs> right? absolutely. It doesn't guarantee you're going to be uh, um, better at doing something yeah. or smarter or whatever. And, and conversely, you can be amazing in the worst of moods. Mm. Right? So, <laughs> so your language is 
I think you told me this once when we were a long time oh. back when you were first starting on our I hope it was good. <laughs> it was great. People, <laughs> write this down. This is so good. No, I was saying, so, wow, there's so much going on right now, Nina. What, what do you think we should do? And you said, well, in these situations, I just look for the tangibles. Mm, well, that changed my life. Oh, wow. Every time now that there's any tough situation, I go, okay, what are the tangibles? Mm-hmm. And art and drawing is a tangible for me. Yeah. It really doesn't matter whether it's good or not good. I can pick up a pencil and do it. And so can anybody. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. Right? And then with some guidance and pointers to you know, learn the, the finer ways of using that language, mm-hmm. you can suddenly turn it into poetry and novels mm-hmm. and stories, right? And, but to do that, you have to learn a little more form than just writing an email. Mm. But the email gives you the grammar and the vocabulary and the ability to put one word in front of the other and not have them crash. Yeah, absolutely. It's about um, acquiring the know-hows. <clears throat> the know-hows is the stepping stone to actually become what it is that you kind of have a goal yeah. For. Exactly. But, but I think it's a mistake to <clears throat> think that it's turning you into, and then name, a, name an artist, mm, right? Mm. It's never going to turn you into that artist, even with the best training in the world and all the talent in the world, because mm. all you really have as an artist and a human being to offer the world is who you are. Yeah. Right. And so um, the, the craft is just a thing. It's just, a, mm. it's, it's, you just continue to work at it, continue to hone it. And then you get to be Michelangelo's ripe old age on his deathbed. And he's going, oh, to die when I was just starting to get it. <laughs> you always feel like that. Yeah. You've never made it. You've never yeah. quite figured it. Oh, my gosh. Lighting, that's how it works. Amazing. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that that kind of is at every, um, especially you know, for me, myself, I can say absolutely every single thing. Well, just as I think I've grasped it, there's so yes. much more to learn. And instead of, uh-huh. you know, now, instead of um, getting stuck and getting frustrated, it's that curiosity. Right. That well, that's what I meant. It's that, yeah. that, that pain, that roller coaster. Yeah, right? you, you get absolutely. used to it. I can't remember if we said that did we say that in this interview or not? No, we were talking beforehand. Under the oh, we're yeah, talking, we were before. talking beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yes, I was just saying before that, um, you know, you emotionally are on a roller coaster ride when you're yeah. doing art. And after, gosh, 50 years, 63 now, so wait, it would be 60 years of drawing. Um, mm. I actually like it. It's an old friend. Mm. So when I start to feel the roller coaster, I, I can actually detach and become the author and enjoy the character suffering. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm, yeah, yeah. And sort of almost you know an out-of-body right. experience, yeah. Absolutely, yes. And you're doing something right. Because mm. if you weren't feeling that, you aren't drawing. Yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're trying to copy or do your greatest hits, yeah. you know, pull off a trick. But that's not drawing. Drawing is where you're speaking and saying something. Yeah. So uh, to... F- finish on that idea of of um, who you are so your craft you will always be learning Mm. but who you are you are already Mm. and you're perfect you're a perfect Nina there's never been a more perfect Nina like (laughs) you in the entire universe and never will be and your your craft is there to allow you to express that 
the trick for most people is that they um, they do get their craft to a point where they can speak mm. it or mm. draw it. And then they, they wonder who they are and they look inside and what they see is frightening or is ugly or is nothing. Mm. And they don't want to share that. So they then reach out and grab someone else who was brave enough to say what was inside them and copy mm. that. And that's why mm. we get a lot of people who are mannerists and sort of yeah. saying other people's truths, not their own. Mm. But really, all you have is your own truth. Mm. Ugly, blank, whatever it happens to be, it is only that to you. To other people, they've never seen such an odd and wonderful thing. Yeah. And horrific thing. And so they, they actually that's what they want. That's what they want to know. It makes people feel less alone when they know mm. what's inside other people. Yeah, and there's a, there's a trick to that too, just like teaching art. Mm. Right? And there's a way to find out who you are so you don't have to think about it. You can just immediately default back to what's inside you. Mm. And that is a little thing called a sketchbook. Mm, yeah, yeah. But not the sketchbook that they probably use because most sketchbooks are the places where people work out their designs or ruts or practice their life drawing or something mm -hmm. like that. This is a different sketchbook. It's called a soul sketchbook. Mm. And in this book, every day you put something that you just oh so excited. It just makes emotion burst out of you. And it can be it can be joy, I hope and things that make you run naked in the snow just to see it. <laughs> or it could be things that terrify you, like the, mm. the witch dream and all the rest. But it just has to make you feel. Mm. And it doesn't matter how you put it in the book because the quality is not important. It can be stick figures. It can be, it can be torn out of a magazine. It can be written down, can be mm. anything. And then don't think about it. Just turn the page and get on with the rest of your life. And every day mm. you do that for six months. Mm. At the end of the six months, you go back and you look through the book. You can do it before six months is good and that will be a snapshot of your soul of your soul because mm. it's everything that makes you feel and feel profoundly yeah and when you draw as an artist as an illustrator that's what you want to communicate to the world because those are the things that you know best you know mm. they say write what you know mm -hmm. well that doesn't mean don't write about monsters and dragons mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. like that mm. if you really know them if that's a part of you that's mm. how you Express yourself in your dreams if that's some of the masks that you wear to convey parts of how you feel or what yeah. you fear or what you love. Put them on, mm. right? And sh share that with us. So that's, yeah. that's a trick for your audience. Start your soul sketchbooks yeah. today. I think it's, I think especially for new artists sort of just emerging on their journey, mm. I think it's really kind of really vital information about you know the, what I'm getting from you is that the congruence of your inner and outer matching yeah. um, and being able to share that with the world without the your internal dialogue of judgment um, and you know the external world because actually one of the things is it's never going to be everybody's cup of tea um, yeah. but you'll you'll hit the the people that resonate with it and I mm. think you know, the expectation can always be about, oh, it has to be good for everyone. And we did talk about um, good enough, didn't we, before yes, as we well. Did. We and did. that kind of takes me into that a little bit. Now, um, good, like I say, I work in the film industry mostly these days, and 95% of everything you do is rejected. Mm. It's just, that's the fact of life. Mm. Um, fortunately, I was an illustrator for 10 years before that. At a time, pre-internet folks, Oh. When science fiction and fantasy 
didn't have a lot of um, visual imagery out there that was uh, really sophisticated. Like people were really reaching. If you look at the early Dungeons and Dragons manuals, those drawings are pretty primitive mm. and um, and not well designed from a film point of view. Right, you couldn't put that on a stage and not have it look like early Doctor Who. Mm. Nothing against Doctor Who, by the way. I love Doctor Who. Um, so art directors left you alone when you wanted to do those kind of covers. You'd ask them what they wanted, and they go, "I don't know." Mm. Here, read the text and make something up. Maybe something, yeah. Yes, and you'd turn in a strange-looking creature, and nobody would ask you if the anatomy was correct or mm. you know how mm. it was going to eat and be carnivorous with no mouth. You know, any of those <laughs> kind of questions. Nowadays. Um, the art is highly sophisticated in mm. science fiction and fantasy. We have a much broader language. Mm. And the people who are creating those amazing images are 20 years, 30 years younger than, um, than I am right now. Mm -hmm. And their art is amazing. Mm. So, yeah, that's actually one of the things that gives me a lot of hope that the new generations um, can self-teach Mm, and yeah. can learn from each other and can actually acquire abilities a good two or three decades before mm. I have. Mm. And the trick really now, because I, I do get a lot of, of fan mail mm. and things, mostly because of the Star Wars. And mostly the kids will ask me, um, so I did everything you told me. Mm -hmm. I have the job of my dreams. I'm working on this film or this game and I'm getting paid really well and I'm in mm -hmm. charge of the designs and all that. And yeah. why do I feel like giving up? Mm -hmm. And the answer is, well, trained yourself as a Jedi master and then you mm -hmm. went and found someone else to use your ability. Mm -hmm. I said, there's nothing wrong with collaborative art. It's great. But you also need to do art for yourself because unless you know for yourself, whether something is true or not, no one else is going to be able to tell you. Mm. And then when they reject it because it doesn't fit the truth they're trying to tell, mm. that can be a blow to your yeah. self-esteem, a massive blow, until yeah. you want to give up the thing that you love. Mm. So that's, that's where the soul sketchbooks come in. Yeah. Know it who really, you are. Yeah. I think that's brilliant because it really ties that completely up because that soul sketchbook is like that inner in a dialogue in the inner story, you know, and that yeah. is the truth, as you said, you know, to it recap what you life. were saying. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's really, really important to kind of share that, especially with new emerging artists and not just emerging artists, anyone wanting to explore, you know, a soul sketchbook. And I yeah. love that idea. Absolutely love that idea. But, but, but look at what we're doing now, right? We are yeah. now putting this out there. Yeah. As a piece of education that people can pick up. You know, yeah. They don't have to go to a university or an art school. Yeah. They can try it. And if they don't like it, they don't have to recommend it to their friends. Yeah. And they'll find something else that will work. Yeah. And by doing that, sincerely, you end up with generations, mm. at least two or three now, mm. with superpowers. Art yeah. superpowers. Mm. And if they can do that in art, they can do that in anything. Yeah. And there's so many areas now that are not as immediately uh, glamorous or mm. useful mm. Uh, as, as art can be, um, like manners and ethics and just the ability to have a good argument. Mm. Like argument's a good word, just like work is a good word. Mm. But if you don't know how to do it, it's a toil and, a, and it's a, a means to hurt each other. Mm. And so 
once we start training each other like we've trained in art on how to have a conversation, how to agree when we disagree. Yes. Right. Yeah. What are the tools for that? Because it's just yeah. like your craft in drawing, but then you also need to know, and who am I? What mm. do I want? More importantly, this person who's a thunderhead and disagreeing with me, what do they want? Mm. And what can we what can we do to get to something that we both want together, mm. even if we hate each other and disagree? Yeah. And those are just tools, and we can teach it as easily as telling people to run off and do a soul sketchbook. Yeah. We just need those classes and the sharing and the teaching, and by gum, the generations will teach themselves. It'll yeah. self-correct. Yeah, absolutely. And it really, I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't really acknowledge what's happening in the States and things like that at the moment, which are completely the opposite right. of what we're talking about, um, and that emotional... Uh, intelligence and just being mm -hmm. able to have that discourse and it, it, it was as you were talking it reminded me of a book called Nonviolent Communication huh? um, which is exactly about you know hearing and listening really attentively and that's actually what what's not really happening people are just kind of you know we, we listen with only about I think 13% of our attention anyway Oh, that's and then interesting. When, yeah, Ooh, I hadn't then, heard that. Yeah, it's literally. 13? Yeah, it's so so small a percentage. And then, of course, if there's an argument happening, you're listening with even less because you're only waiting to hear something that's yeah, yeah, going yeah. to kind of give you something to bite on and argue against. So huh. that that dialogue is really essential about that listening, that present moment. Well, wait, I want to respond to that. But yeah, could we hit pause for just a moment? There is, a, there is a, uh, a banana cake burning in the oven downstairs. Ah! Lena was kind enough to let me record in peace and quiet, and I don't think she's hearing the alarm going off. Oh, Here, excellent. Let me pause. Let me pause. <laughs> I'm going to be a little bit naughty here and I'm going to leave you in suspense on this one while Ian goes and tends to his banana cake. <laughs> We're going to stop on this one and you can hear more in the next episode that will follow in a few weeks time so please keep your ears and eyes peeled for that one because we do dive in a little bit deeper and as with Ian always finding different inspiration inspirational ideas uh, of how to help us springboard um, so yeah please do keep an ear out for that um, I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far um, I'm also on the lookout for anybody else who would like to be interviewed because there is so much more I think we could share so if there's anything that you would like to share and you would like to join me as a guest on this show please do drop me a line if you go to my website www.courageousart.co.uk you can find my email and contact details there so please do drop me a line again as always please don't forget to rate and leave a review or even share with anyone else that you think may benefit from hearing this podcast because 
as you know, my mission is to reach as many people as possible and normalise these conversations around mental health and seeking support, um, especially right now as we're going to need it the most, as we are needing it the most. And as I've spoken about before on my Instagram page, and if you don't know it, it's um, courageous underscore art underscore therapy. I talk about um, creating new habits. And if we create new habits around seeking support, um, we can create a new behaviour. Thank you again for listening. I hope you have enjoyed this episode so far. But as I said again, don't forget to tune in for the next episode where Ian has completed making his banana bread and we take even more deeper dives into our conversation. I hope you are well and keeping safe. I will see you again soon. Okay, bye now.